As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Work From Your Happy Place, the podcast that equips you with the tools, know-how, and motivation to live your dreams and find your happy place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a recap of the week's guests and a preview of what's in store. To sign up, simply text the word HAPPY PLACE with no space to 33444. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Work From Your Happy Place, Belinda Ellsworth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Work From Your Happy Place. I'm your host, Belinda Ellsworth, and I'm so very excited about my guest today. I have Squire Rushnell with me, and he is the New York Times bestselling author of 11 Godwink books. He's a monthly contributor for the NBC Today Show, and last Christmas, Hallmark launched the Godwink movie series, one of the biggest, highest-rated movies in the history of Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Channel. Squire is a former ABC network executive who was a father of Schoolhouse Rock and led Good Morning America to number one. He and his wife, Louise, live on Martha's Vineyard, where Squire is known as the Godwink Guy. It is my awesome privilege to welcome Squire to our show today. Thank you, Belinda. It's a delight to talk to you. Oh. I'm one of your big fans. I'm Thank sitting here with my homework. Direct selling for dummies. Oh, there you go. Ellsworth. Okay. So <laughs> that is awesome. Well, it was such a pleasure uh, meeting you recently. And that's how we connected and thought this would be a great fit for us on our podcast. So thank you so much. So um, tell us, just uh, fill in a little bit of the gap of your bio and just kind of tell us where the Godwink series came from and uh, giving us a little bit of your background, but just kind of how you got where you are today. Okay. Well, I was at ABC for 20 years. That was the biggest chunk of corporate life. Uh, and uh, while I was at ABC, I had nothing but fun every day. I, um, I took over children's television two years after I was there and ran that for the next uh, 15 or 16 years. And um, as long as I could keep that, 
uh, I would take on other tasks like running Good Morning America and late night programming and other things that they uh, tacked on. And um, and so I always had a great time. Um, the children's television uh, period was uh, one when Schoolhouse Rock got uh, launched and uh, Multiplication Rock had already begun when I got there. Michael Eisner, who went on to become the CEO of Disney, um, he was the one who was my predecessor who started Multiplication Rock. And then I um, added, uh, changed it to Schoolhouse Rock so we could get into different parts of speech and the history and so forth. And then of, uh, a few years after that, added Good Morning America. And that was a great time because we took on the giant Today Show, the venerable Today Show, like the little David, and beat him. And so that was a great time in my career. So all of my fun times at, at ABC were every day that I got up and went to work. Um, I, I ran a cable television network in Washington for uh, six years after I left ABC. And then 9-11 came along and I was just about ready to publish. In fact, my, my new book had just come out two months before 9-11. It was a book about hope and encouragement called When God Winks. And what auspicious timing. I look back now and I see that as divine alignment. It wasn't an accident that that's when that book came out. And so from that point on, I became an author. And my wonderful wife, uh, Louise Duarte, uh, is a comedian and uh, 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 one of the world's best comedic impressionists. And she was going on the road with Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. And she said, well, why don't you uh, why don't you come with me? And so I quit the network job. I became a full time author tagging along with my wife and Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. So every day was a laugh. And, um, and, I, and, and then the Godwink uh, brand started emerging and the word started going into the language. And five years ago um, was a significant moment because I got the regular spot on the Today Show, uh, a monthly spot called God Winks on Today. And then last Christmas was the most significant milestone, the first of the Hallmark God Wink movie series. And a God Wink Christmas turned out to be uh, a real huge success, 12.5 million total viewers. And uh, that ushered in two more Hallmark movies, now a Netflix movie and a feature movie that is uh, uh, in the wings uh, and all kinds of exciting things are going on. Well, congratulations. That is super exciting. And 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 you're right about the, the 9-11. How how awesome that you had something of encouragement to help people through one of our country's most challenging yeah. times. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it was amazing, though. You know, um, I wondered about that because I had been trying to get on the Oprah show uh, for months and months and months because, you know, Oprah, Oprah show was the show that any author had to get on. And in fact, I often said that Oprah, I believe, 
had more prayers said for her every single day than any other person in America. And it was mostly us authors trying to get on her show. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I had gotten a call on the 8th of September. And no, it was on the 9th of September. And it was the book uh, club uh, mm-hmm. at Oprah's show at Harbo Productions. And she said, I love your book, When God Winks. And Oprah will love your book. Well, I thought I had gone to heaven right then and there. And, and so she started talking about how we were going to get God Winks on Oprah and we were going to make something of it. Two days later was 9-11. And the whole television industry focused for the next entire year. Every single show on Oprah was about 9-11. And somehow or other, my little book of hope and encouragement didn't rise in visibility to be able to get the attention of everybody that, hey, this is a book about hope and encouragement. We need it. But Whatever happened, uh, it was by design, I'm sure, grand design, perfect design. And, um, and it was really about four years later, uh, maybe it was three years later, that I had continued to persist, pushing and uh, calling and uh, being pleasantly persistent with the Oprah show, as I was doing with every other show, which you have to do. And... Uh, we got to the, to the month of May, and that's when Oprah goes on hiatus at May. And, and uh, my wife and I, we practice partnered prayer, and every single day we pray for at least five minutes a day, and we, we advocate that with, with other people, and we've written two books about that, partnered prayer. But there we were practicing partnered prayer, and it was the only time that I can remember ever being discouraged in this whole journey. I came out of that prayer, and I said to my wife, it's May 9th. I just see myself now like the kid with a baseball hat. I got to go to the end of the line in September and start all over again. And my wonderful wife said, if Oprah wants you on her show, or if God wants you on Oprah's show, God will make the way. And because I always believe everything my wife says, I said, okay. And so... (laughs) Uh, So we were leaving, that was a Friday, we were leaving for Virginia Beach because my wife was doing, would do a daily show on ABC Family Channel leading into the 700 Club with Pat Robertson Mm -hmm. and show with her and Terry Mewson, uh, who who co-hosts the 700 Club. And it was a little half hour show. And what, what she did is she'd tape enough shows one week out of four to be able to then be off away for the next uh, three weeks. And so we were on our way to Virginia Beach. And after the taping uh, of her shows on that Monday afternoon, my phone started ringing. And first of all, it was somebody obscure from Martha's Vineyard where we live. And, and, and she said, Oprah just mentioned your book. And I said, oh, oh, you must have made a mistake. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Yeah, she just she just held up your book. 
And so I said, well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. And so I said to my wife, you know, somebody must have had me confused with somebody else. Well, from that point on, the phone kept ringing and ringing and ringing. I found out that Oprah on that day, on that Monday after the Friday, that my wife said, if God wants to get you on that show, he will find the way. That Monday, Oprah was doing a tour of her Chicago apartment. She walked into a bedroom where she had a stack of books on the bedside table. She said, I don't have a TV in this guest room. I just have some of my favorite books that I keep beside the bed. And she picked up the book that was on top. She said, for example, When God Winks by Squire Rushnell. It's all about those little coincidences that aren't. She put the book down, walked out of the room, and the book went to number three on Amazon. And so I called my mother and I said, Mother, my book was on Oprah. She said, Oh, that's nice, honey. <laughs> what am I going to be on? Well, my book was on. <laughs> so anyway, I got off onto that story. I didn't mean to be so long-winded. I love that story. That's a great story. And it's got wonderful, just wonderful little nuggets in there. But the thing that I'm sitting here, I'm just like smiling so big is I remember that show. I, when you're describing, I remember when she took people through her apartment and she was talking about books and I can completely 100% remember that episode. So that is divine alignment that I happened to see that same episode. I didn't see it until the reruns, by the way, I didn't really know what went on. Uh, But, uh, but that's, uh, that's amazing that you saw that. Yeah. So what are a couple of your really great skill sets that you think that have helped you succeed? And obviously, you've had some success for many years, and that has continued. So what do you think a couple of really great skill sets are? Well, I think the most important skill set is attitude. Um, I... Uh, became a, a a positive thinker when I was a kid, and I didn't really know that that was what it was, and I just was optimistic about things, and um, and I, I and and I had a very successful paper route as a result of that because I I practiced optimism. I just uh, uh, with all the people that I engaged with, and when I finally read the book, The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent. Peel, I realized what it was all about. And that really became um, a a life changing or a life. uh, I would say it was it was an attitudinally forming uh, time for me where it really uh, put my attitude into concrete. And when I was a network executive, they called me an obnoxious optimist. (laughs) And uh, so uh, I felt that I've always felt that a an attitude, a positive attitude, is tremendously important. The attitude of possibility, the attitude that that it that it can 
be done. If it, if that the, that the word no is the smallest word I know of in the language, and 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 therefore we should treat it with uh, with that importance because it only is just one little word, and there's got to be another way. It just means not right now. Like when we were kids, and our parents used to say, "No, you can't go get an ice cream cone. No, you can't have this." Well, we as kids we knew innately that didn't really mean no forever. That meant just no right, not right now. And maybe right. if we keep at it, we can get that ice cream cone. Right. And, so, and, and today, um, I, uh, I I was just at my doctor's office, and uh, and 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 so I the doctor said, "How old are you?" I said, "You know, I'm embarrassed to say this to you because it's an important question, but I honestly don't know. I stopped doing the math about." 10 or 20 years ago, I live attitudinally. And but I'm happy to give you my birthday and a pencil and a piece of paper. And you can figure it out because I don't care about my chronology. I care about my attitudinal age. So it sounded arrogant when I was saying it, but it really expressed my heartfelt feeling that that is so tremendously important. And I would say the second thing that I think is tremendously important is persistence. And um, I think that you always have to be in everything as if it is a marathon. It isn't a sprint. It's going to be the long run. It's going to take a long time. I said to somebody yesterday, uh, who, who had just heard about Godwinks and they saw the the, the Hallmark uh, movie at Christmas time and and they they were just very excited about that word and she said when did that start and I said almost twenty years ago just before nine eleven that's that's almost twenty years ago that I wrote that book and so it's an overnight success <laughs> uh, so anyway everything you have to assume is going to take time. And um, and then say your prayers and keep at it. I love that. And just as a fun little side note, some of the most successful and it's just a, just a little funny side note. And I had one myself, which there weren't very females that had paper routes. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. when I talk to different people, um, they'll say, it really started out for me with my paper route. I had I was really great at that. And I think so was I. And I, oh, I loved good. having my paper route. I was like 12 years old. And I felt like that was my first entrepreneurial experience. <laughs> so. Really? You, Belinda. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're kindred spirits. I love that. I love I that. I know. Where, so, where did you grow up? Where did you do your paper route? I grew up in Westland, Michigan, which is about probably 35 minutes from uh, Detroit. So my I was born in Detroit, and then my parents moved out to the suburbs of Detroit. Actually, we only lived about 10 minutes from Metro Airport. Um, so that's that's where I grew up and went to school. And then, and now I live outside the Ann Arbor area of Michigan. So, um, but yeah, I had my, I just would get on my bicycle and um, I built my clients. Like I had so many more subscribers and then they stayed and I got great tips and I don't, it was just, I took it really serious and I took it really serious of, 
um, building up my subscription base. And that is great. That, yeah, that was direct selling. That was that your first direct selling job. You could call it that, I guess. Right? <laughs> Actually, my very first. It, this coincided with about the same time as my paper route because I was like at that age where it was you know okay to do that, but. There was this line of Christmas cards, and I can't even tell you how many people will say, yeah, I sold this I sold this line of Christmas cards. But there was this company that you sold Christmas cards door to door, and, and somebody would nominate you. And then you got this pack in the mail, and it said, you know, you've been chosen by so-and-so to uh, be a great candidate to sell these Christmas cards. And, man, I had great success selling those Christmas cards, too. <laughs> Isn't that great? Well, then you you already had a customer base with your with your uh, paper routes. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and I was thinking that in uh, in the Detroit area, you had like I did some very cold late afternoons when you had to go and deliver newspapers, most likely. Yes. <laughs> oh. So let's talk about, um, we've gotten some of the great accolades that you have. So let's talk about one of your greater obstacles or a challenge that you faced and how you worked through that. Well, uh, I think that um, probably the biggest uh, challenge I, re- I faced at ABC was after having been uh, very successful, not I, I say that not in in a way that I, I want to be um, uh, a boasting, but it just I just felt as though I just kept falling into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good morning, America. I just had the things that I knew that you, I, I had the the map. That I needed to share with the share with the staff at Good Morning America, and I, we just read the map and I, and and off we went and we beat the Today Show, or at at uh, in children's television it was um, it was just having the curiosity and the great wonder of uh, what we could do, and I had this fascinating. Uh, feeling that we could be number one at everything. We could be number one in the ratings, which was most important, but we could also be number one in delivering the the programs that got the most Emmys. And uh, and and why not? And and that was a period of time when Schoolhouse Rock blossomed, when ABC After School specials uh, were were big successes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kids are people too. We launched on Sunday morning, but at the same time, Scooby Doo, the superheroes, and Bugs Bunny, and all those shows on Saturday morning were absolutely terrific. And um, and so I felt that the the time that I spent at ABC was I hardly wanted to call it work because it was always so much fun, and therefore. The day that I got fired, I had an issue that I had to work through. Now, that was a big issue. And how did that come about? Well, there was a guy who used to be in charge of children's programming at uh, NBC. And 
he was always my competitor and we beat NBC Saturday morning. And the women in Boston who uh, ran Action for Children's Television, somehow or other, they loved me and they hated him. And so, because I was the schoolhouse rock guy, I was the after school specials guy, and they were always saying wonderful things about me and saying terrible things about him. And then he got fired from NBC and he went to CBS. And uh, so they, uh, we had the same situation all over again. And, um, and the day that ABC hired him to be my boss, oh. I knew I had an issue. I knew that I had a target on my back and it was just a matter of time. And, uh, and it was, it was a betrayal because, uh, he told the bosses, uh, some kind of made up story. And I, to this day, I don't know what it was, uh, but they did tell me that it was a made up story and he was fired by the way, six years later, uh, or maybe it was less than that. I'm not even sure, but I had to work through the fact that I had spent 20 years at ABC and then I got fired, and I was so ashamed of that. I didn't tell anybody that I had gotten fired. I told everybody that I was uh, I was just looking for a new career. It was a wonderful opportunity for me to go out and be on my own, and you know whatever I, I was saying. And um, and it really wasn't until about my third or fourth book that I decided that I would fess up and tell people that I was fired and how that affected me and how difficult it was to, um, to get back on track. It would to, to, because now I was, uh, I was aging out. I went back to good morning America. They had a good morning America at that time. And, uh, he was an old friend of mine and, um, and I was in my late forties and he said, you're too old to run this show now. I said, what do you mean I'm too old? I, I ran it before. And he said, I know, but you're too old now. And, and it just crushed me that I was being told by a friend, by a corporate executive, that I was being age discriminated. And, and, um, and there was no rationale for that. So I would say that that was probably the biggest obstacle I ever had to overcome. Wow. But... I go back to uh, the two things that I always drew upon as values that were in my back pocket. And one was positive attitude. And number two was persistence. Yep. Yep. And I love both of those uh, <laughs> so much. I'm, I'm a huge Bully. I was just uh, doing, I'm doing a new series right now, and I just keep hashing it out. Every single thing I'm talking about, 80% will make up, you know, your attitude will make up 80% of your success. It, the rest, yeah. small yeah. percentage of skill sets. It really is having the right attitude. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I, I tell a story about, uh, if I can, about persistence. I, I wrote a story in my uh, one of my books uh, about Vin DeBona, who is the uh, guy who brought us uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, mm -hmm. uh, which is the longest running show on ABC 
one of the most successful shows on American television. And, um, and it, honestly, it is the only major hit that Vin DeBona ever had in his entire career. But who needs another hit if you got one like that, you know? Right. But, but, but here is what happened. It is a wonderful, I, I, I told, I, I described this story as who put the 10 in tenacious Vin DeBona put the 10 in tenacious because he was, um, he and I had been friends for a long time. I had hired him right out of college when I was a program director in Boston. And, um, and then I went on to good morning America and I hired him to do some, uh, field work and pilot work and so on and so forth. He went out to work for, um, entertainment tonight as a producer and was assigned to, um, a, an assignment in Japan. And while he was sitting in the hotel room in Japan, he was watching the show and he thought, boy, I can't understand a word they're saying, but it's a funny show. And it was kind of like candid cameras, but it was with animals. And so it, it just, it, you didn't, with animals, you'd, it was kind of, they're kind of a universal language, you know? And so he thought, boy, if I could get this footage, if I can get the right to this footage, I could take that back to America and, you know, you don't have the dub, dub language or anything like that. I put together a panel show of celebrities, like what's my line and all that kind of thing. And, um, and I, I bet I could sell that. So he came back to a, he got the uh, the the option from the uh, Japanese uh, television network, and just before he was leaving, it was a six month option, I think. They said, uh, "We want you to take one other show." And he thought, "What do I need that for?" You know. Mm-hmm. But they said, "Well, it's another show that we have success with, and it's and it, and it's with videotapes. People send in their home movies." And he said, oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. So he um, went off to America, and he didn't pay any attention to the the videotape show. He was focused on the candid camera with animal show. And he he put together a plan, and he went out to sell it. And he called on people over and over and over and over again. He was turned down Every single time, Vin DeBona was turned down 136 times, and he was at the end of his six month. His option was about to run out. Now, you might say, why didn't he ever call me, his <laughs> old buddy, who was running children's television? Well, the reason he never called me was because he thought he was producing an adult show, and I was involved in kid shows. But on that very day, this is divine alignment and a major God wink. On that very day, I had been called up to the president's office because a meeting had been called with the president of ABC Sports, a guy named Rune Arledge. And he wanted to have this meeting with myself and the president because he wanted to propose that he... Rune Arledge, who had Wide World of Sports on Saturday afternoons, right after my children's programs, that he made this proposal. He said, my Wide World of Sports is hurt by your children's programs because you lead in to, I get the, the lead in is all kids. So I got I to start fresh with a brand new audience of adults. 
He said, so here's what I propose. I proposed taking your last show in your block, taking it over, and I'll do a show that's kid adult, kids and adult, and, and everybody will be a winner. Well, I didn't like the fact that the president was nodding his head a lot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I didn't like the idea that I was about to lose a half hour of my uh, of my schedule. So I came down the elevator one, one floor below, and uh, I'm thinking, I have got to have a kid adult program. I walked into my office. What are the mathematical odds? The phone would be ringing. Vin DeBona, my old buddy, said, Hi, Squire. I got a show I wonder if you uh, might have any interest in him. And so he described the show, which was called Animal Crack Ups. And I said, that sounds like a great kid adult program. Let's do it. Now, this is a guy... I didn't know had already been turned down 136 times and I was number 137 and I said let's do it and he paw there was this big pause on the phone he wasn't used to that right he said uh, did do you want to do a pilot I said no Let's do 13 half hours. We'll co-produce them with ABC. And uh, who are we going to have as a host? Well, we had Alan Thicke as a host, and it turned out to be a big hit show. And I got the kid adult show. I delivered what I needed to deliver to ABC Sports. But Vin DeBona was now had access to the ABC lot. And he had gotten an extension from the Japanese, but it was only a few weeks more. And so he still had this box of, of videotapes and he walked down the hall at ABC because he's now inside the studio because we produced it at ABC, walked inside to the head of ABC primetime and pitched what became America's Funniest Home Videos. Wow. That is how... I say Vin DeBona put the 10 in tenacity. He just kept going. Wow. That's awesome. That's an awesome story. And thanks for sharing that with us. Um, yeah. So what's working from your happy place mean to you? Well, my happy place means I get up in the morning very early. Uh, 4.30 in the morning, I start writing. And um, at 7 o'clock, I am the breakfast server. And wherever we are, I bring my wife, whether it's Motel 6 or whether it's here on Martha's Vineyard, I bring my wife a bagel and coffee. And we have a shared bagel and coffee. And then after that, we share prayers we have partnered prayers and that was an ex something that we happened to fall into i had never heard of it before that a husband and a wife would pray together i had just never heard of it before and when we started doing that we started telling everybody about it and and what came out of that is a a nonprofit called pray together stay together Two books, Couples Who Pray, The Most Intimate Act Between a Man and a Woman, and the 40-Day Prayer Challenge, which 
um, challenges people to pray together five minutes a day for 40 days. We say, just try it. Amazing things will happen. And when we go to churches, can you imagine us going to Joel Osteen's church or, um, you know, Robert Morris's church in Dallas, which is, uh, you know, 70,000 people, mm-hmm. uh, these major churches, Dr. Charles Stanley's church, and, uh, and, and talking to the, the, the board meeting of, uh, of pastors, usually 20 or 30 or 40 pastors in a room, and my wife and I stand up in front of them, and, and we say, we're here to talk to you about prayer, partnered prayer. But you might be saying, who the heck are you to be here talking about prayer to us? And that's what we're saying. We're saying, my wife, who does funny voices for a living, and I brought you Schoolhouse Rock, we're going to talk to you about prayer and within moments, we are talking to them about something that sounds like something they'd never heard before, partnered prayer, praying together, because most of them don't pray with their spouses. They pray with the family. They pray with the church family. They say grace at dinner, but one-on-one, praying every single day with their spouse, pastors are, they're out, they're, they're often busy, and nobody suggested it. So we now have we have activities going where the chaplain of the Senate, Barry Black, and the, and the chaplain of the House of Representatives are working with us behind the scenes to get the 40-day prayer challenge underway in Congress, quietly, without any fanfare, and so on and so forth, and in places like that. So that is how we begin the day, partnered prayer. And then my wife and I work together. She writes part of the books and I write the stories. She writes usually the parts that have to do with uh, the response to the story, the, the reflection on the story, mm-hmm. the spiritual part of the story, the emotional part of the story. She looks at what I write and figures out how she's going to get more emotion out of it and so forth. What did I miss? And so on and so forth. And so we are partners and then we go to lunch and then we go back to work and then we go to dinner and we say, this is Nirvana. This is where we live on Martha's Vineyard. We had lunch looking over the Martha's Vineyard Harbor and and the and the ferry to Capaquitic at about a, two hours ago. That's what we do, and so that is a perfect day in my life. Well, that sounds amazing. So thanks for sharing that. A lot of people talk about it in a real broad spectrum, but I love that you broke down a day in the life because I think that a lot of listeners want to know what does a day in the life look like for someone who's living their best life. So thanks for sharing that with us. Thanks for the opportunity. So in close, is there something exciting that you're working on that you want to share with us? And then tell our listeners how they can find you. Well, uh, they can find uh, Godwinks at uh, godwinks.com. 
they can find God Winks um, usually on the Today Show, uh, although we're in a uh, hiatus period after Kathy Lee left the Today Show. So they're still trying to figure out what uh, they're planning on doing with that show. But uh, I plan to be back on good uh, on the uh, Today Show on a monthly basis. And on November 15th, Godwink Movie 2, which is called the Godwink Christmas 2, Meant for Love, another true story, will be on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. We have the third Hallmark movie in scripting right now, and that'll be sometime in 2020. In another three weeks, we will be in Providence, where we are meeting with the writer of uh, the the movie A Whale's Tale, and uh, she is our writer, uh, Karen uh, Jansen, and she's our writer for a true story, a Godwink story that we're doing for Netflix. We have another. Uh, Godwink story that is in a uh, production company that won uh, the Academy Award of the Year, uh, the best movie of the year about three years ago called uh, Spotlight. And they are doing another movie in development with the writer who did uh, the last uh, Clint Eastwood movie, The Mule. So all of these things are going on. Meanwhile, we're writing the book, called God Wink, Dog Winks. And the premise of this book is that, as with every book, it's all about hope and encouragement. God Winks happen to every single one of us. They are like little gifts left on your doorstep. And our job is to get you to open the door and open your gifts. And and every day, we encourage people to to look for their God winks, to to expect them. And by the way, the more you pray, the more God winks you get by, uh, as well. So it's like you talk to the navigator and you're going to get more uh, God winks back in return from the navigator. And um, so uh, the um, I, w- I was talking about the book, the uh, God wink, dog winks. At the center of that book is... Uh, all, all of those stories that are in that book have a dog which is at the center of the Godwink in the story. And so that we're just tremendously excited about that because we know that people love their dogs. <laughs> they and sure do. So, uh, it's, we, we're just, the first one is going to be the one that's on, on, uh, on Netflix that's that's a dog wink movie, and um, and so we're just tremendously excited about that. That is exciting! Wow. Well, Squire, thank you so much. This has been so delightful. I think it's been one of my favorite podcasts that we've had, and I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. And it was just such a pleasure again meeting you, and then. Uh, subsequently having you on the show. So thank you so much for all that you're doing to inspire, encourage others, because, boy, we need that so much right now in this world, don't we? Well, we sure do. And uh, I have to say that uh, the four or five hours that you did at that conference uh, a month or two ago where I saw you, uh, I was so impressed. I thought that... uh, you just had messages 
uh, that were tremendously powerful and practical for every person who was sitting in the audience. And your delivery and your charm and your comedy and everything else uh, just mixed it all together in a in a magnificent buffet of uh, of opportunity for everybody there. So I was just very impressed, and I'm delighted to have this chance to get to know you better. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you have a great rest of your already fabulous day. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, Belinda. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at Work From Your Happy Place. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. And be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. For a free gift on finding your own happy place, please visit workfromyourhappyplace.com and click on the free audio button. Thanks again for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.